Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Live Best Ball Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditson. Let's have a freaking great best ball draft. Why the hell not? Joining me, as always, none other, PFF's finest, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, trying to see where you are picking, and you are at 111. 11. I'm at 16. We are drafting different teams this time, so hopefully you're not yelling at me about having the board right. Yeah, I'll try not to yell. Like, uh, although last week, you know, we did draft against one another, and you did snipe me multiple times. So, I will, uh, I'll reserve the right to still yell at you. I'm at the disadvantage here because you're gonna be able to see my cue and just, you know, snipe me back and forth this time. But you I'm know not what? even looking at your cue. I got too there much go. shit going on. There we go. That's a great. That's great news <laughs> for me, Dwayne. Okay, we've had enough hostility today. We just recorded our Houston Texans pod. And my goodness, like if you really want to get Dwayne and I worked up, just bring up Damian Pierce or Brevin Jordan. Apparently, that's what it takes to start to drive anything between us. But we are on the best ball draft, on the trying to make some money. And as always, everyone, invite you if you want to go ahead and play Underdog Fantasy. Use code PFF. It will match your first deposit up to $100. And you play just 10 of those dollars, you will be able to get a free, free, an absolutely free PFF subscription. Again, code PFF, the match $100 deposit, and just play $10 and get that free PFF sub. Dwayne, I am on the clock. Wow, you I almost got CMC to you. I know. That would, I've gotten him this. I've got him at five or six a couple times. Oh, you I'm did? seeing okay. Eckler, Henry, Najee, Diggs. I'm going to go ahead and ride with Eckler, although I'm tempted to go ahead and go down to Stefan Diggs. At this point, Still a tier one running back to me. I have Taylor, CMC, Eckler, Henry, and Najee. Yes, Najee, 244-pound Najee. He weighed 240 last year this time. Chill out, everyone. I'm fine with those guys in the top tier and tentatively going to be taking them ahead of Diggs when it gets to that point at wide receiver. Would you have done the same, Dwayne, or do you think Diggs is actually worthy of going ahead of these other running backs? No, I'm going to take Eckler there. Um, Look, I mean – He's worth a little more in PPR, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard to not take Eckler in the middle there. I mean, it, it gives you the chance to start with the, the hero running back, you know, which, which we know we like keeps you flexible later. Um, like you could do digs. Like, I mean, I think it's fine, but it's, I don't, I don't, I would much rather go ahead and take the back there with Eckler. This is actually modified a uh, zero RB, Dwayne. I don't know what you're talking about there. You either draft, you either don't draft an RB and it's zero RB or the rest of your life is modified. Dwayne, you are three picks away. Still on the board. Yeah, I can't I can't ever get the freaking Diggs Lamb stack. Like one day in my dreams, <laughs> one day it will happen. I, I think Najee is seriously gonna start falling because of this ridiculous story. Like, are, are, are you putting any stock into Najee's weight? No. No. Absolutely no. not. It's ridiculous. Again, he weighed 240 pounds last year at this time. Like, chill out, everyone. Uh, he went, he went right in front of me. So what are you doing, Dwayne? You're on the clock. Uh, I'm taking I'm taking CD Lamb. I'm I'm on brand, baby. With CD, both of our wide receiver five, I believe. I, mean, I have four, but but you have four. Yeah. Okay, right. He and Diggs are right there, neck and neck. I don't blame anybody that puts Diggs one spot ahead. There is a tear break though after Cup, Jefferson, and Chase. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Devontae Adams rounds out the top 10. Dwayne, I did uh, one of these drafts last night, and I'm starting to really come around to getting that Mark Andrews in round two strategy. I really liked how the team was going. And the way Lamar Jackson is falling now, man, if you're able to go Andrews and then get Lamar and uh, Bateman like that round five, six turn, that's a sneaky doable stack that gives you a pretty damn good amount of upside. I know we love our round six Kyler as well, but at this point, both Lamar and Kyler are going pretty far past what I expected. 
Yeah, I went ahead and went with DeAndre Swift instead just because I've seen Pitts slide back to the end of the third. And now that Connor is pushing up, James Connor's pushing up boards, Fournette's a second round pick now. Um, it's kind of tough to get your running back to fall back to you. Um, so I went ahead and went with one of the backs just because I didn't want to be staring down like completely nothing um, when it gets back to me. Whereas I know that um, some of the tight ends will slide. I will be taking Mark Andrews at pick 19. Nice little value usually going away as the 16th player, taking him ahead of Alvin Kamara, likely facing a suspension. Tyreek Hill, a wide receiver that I have, I think, ranked 7th, but I do, I'm do. i starting to think more and more there might be a little bit of a teardrop-off, even from Adams to Tyreek Hill at that spot. Honestly, the bigger kind of reach, I think, was Leonard Fournette, who's still, man, just the RB11. I don't understand why Fournette, and to a lesser extent, even James Conner, man, like, these roles are now defined. Like we made it past the draft. I know Rashad White's there, but to see Fournette and Connor get those $20 million contracts, like Dwayne, we've had them as top 10, even like top eight running backs for quite some time. It's nice to see that the rest of the world still isn't coming around. Yeah. I mean, I think they are, but it's, it's, it's just moving up, but it seems to have settled. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, now they're probably about where they need to be. Um, I mean, where it gets interesting for me is like, Ian, do you want to take, I I know we've got Fournette and Connor forecasted for bigger roles, but where are you at on those guys versus Javonta who we, we know we like the talent profile. Um, you know, so I mean, it's like, I've been kind of mixing those guys in. I've been, I've been still making sure I'm getting some Javonta Williams, but I'm also being willing to take Fournette and Connor. I'm taking Fournette and Connor over Javonta every single time. Melvin Gordon is back and he's going to be involved. And as great as Javonta's talent profile is, I'm not sure if you saw the thread by Jay Moyer, fantastic Twitter follow, but I do think there's something to be said about guys like Javonta, like Tony Pollard, and just, I'm not saying breaking a bunch of tackles is a bad thing. Obviously that's great, but these guys really are just more prone to highlight runs. And I'm not so sure that they do the little itty bitty things in practice as well as a Melvin Gordon and Zeke. Like, I, you know, you know, Dwayne, I really think these organizations are trying to play their best players out there. Like really is every single offensive coach inside the Denver and Dallas organization, like that stupid to continually be playing the alleged better running back behind the starter. Maybe it's just a matter of they're a lot closer than people are projecting, but I just think that there is a massive gulf in terms of the projected workload between Connor, Fournette, and Javonta. And like, yeah, Javonta, I'll take him in terms of who's going to average more yards per carry, but when Fournette and Connor are potentially getting an extra 100 touches, I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I'm still going to mix them up. Um, like, I, And I love JJ, and I've known each other for a long time. But I also, Javonta Williams had a big enough sample size that the data that he put up like is only behind Nick Chubb. Like, so I actually happen to think that he's a really good player, um, that, that he's not, I, I, I mean, I think his sample size is so much bigger than Tony Pollard's. I agree with some of the points, you know, that Jay has, but at the end of the day, like I'm still going to lean into the data more than I'm going to lean into. And I love film. Like I love watching it, but you know, and it's just that the profile pops so much, right? It's, it's not even close. Like how far Javonta Williams is in front of so many people. I hear so, it. It's just like for I me. I want to mix it up because it's just a chaotic season. We don't know if Fournette stays healthy. We don't know if Connor stays healthy. So there's just a lot of different things that can happen. If you really want to piss this dude off down at 1 1, Ian, he's got <laughs> Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, oh, just. Then, oh, just of course, Kyle fun. Pitts goes right in front of me. You know, I talked about that, right? Yeah. Who would be available? But you know what, man? I'm going to go ahead and grab Barkley here. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and have my two running backs. Uh, not necessarily on great teams, but 
I'm digging Barkley at the end of the third round for sure. Dude, like, again, maybe they do get hurt, but in terms of our projective workload right now, Saquon, Fournette, and Connor, if you just want to go by touches and then just hopefully assume, particularly in Fournette and Connor's case with them being on good offenses, um, I just think that they're in another tier versus a lot of these guys going after the top 12. I was able to snag T Higgins uh, with my third round pick and just seeing what he was able to do last year. 18 games, so one extra than our 17 game schedule, but 92 catches, 1,400 yards, eight touchdowns. Chase was the wide receiver five in PPRL points per game. Higgins wasn't far behind at wide receiver 13, actually ahead of Chase in terms of the expected PPR points per game. So for me, Dwayne, like Higgins, he's basically being drafted where he was already at last year. If you look at him since coming into the league, he's 12th in PFF receiving grade. He's 14th in yards per route run, yards per reception. Identical yards per route run and yards, yards per reception as DK Metcalf over the past two seasons. Like he looks like a stud. He's been a stud. He's going to have as much opportunity as Chase, maybe a little less. Is there any concern about Higgins that we're ranking him too high? Because it seems like just, okay, great. Because I could not find a hole. Nope. Young player. Like basically he profiles exactly the same as CD lamb, a little bit less of a threat after the catch, but you could argue a better contested catch player. Um, he just doesn't have, you know, the topper on him, like with Jamar chase for Higgins, but look like the Bengals offense could eagerly easily support, Higgins and Jamar Chase. We know we've got the young quarterback. We saw him throw more down the stretch. Like I'm just, oh, there goes Justin Herbert. <laughs> somebody, somebody else did it. You didn't have to do it. I wasn't gonna. Poor, him. poor guy. Turned Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, setting this whole thing up, and it's over. <laughs> bad day to be bad. Apparently, I went ahead and snagged <laughs> Terry McLaurin shortly after, ahead of guys like Waddle, Metcalf, Cooper, and Judy. I just think that McLaurin, he's more ingrained as that number one receiver than any of them. And I think you know when you start looking at Wentz, it's not great, but look who Metcalf is uh, catching passes from. Look who Cooper is likely going to be catching passes from for at least you know I would assume six plus games. And even with Judy, man, like we can talk about him a little bit later, but far more target competition than anything McLaurin is facing. So I am happy. And we've talked about this, Dwayne, having gone through the NFC East and the AFC um, East in our team preview series. But Terry McLaurin and Michael Pittman are the two guys where in that muddled wide receiver two range, I find myself most willing to take a chance on them. Yeah, I have McLaurin below those guys. I would rather have Waddle. I would rather have Pittman. But then I have uh, McLaurin at the top of that next tier below. And, and for the same reasons as you, I at least know enough about Carson Wentz to know that you're telling me there's a chance yeah. <laughs> versus some of the other quarterbacks like Gino and Drew Locke for what you're dealing with with DK Metcalf. Like, that scares me. I mean, we love DK's talent, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I'm 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 a little higher on Waddle and on um, – you know, Pittman, but I, but I do like McLaurin and I, and I know that eventually we could have this huge breakout season. I am on the clock. ETN got sniped for me. Damn you. Panther eight. Got Brees Hall, Dave Montgomery, and none other than Lamar Jackson, the stack with Mark Andrews. How about that, ladies, and probably mostly gentlemen? Lamar Jackson, round five, got the Andrews stack. I love it. One thing I want to talk about real quick. I was, uh, I was doing my Jaguars uh, team preview today, working on it. And when I started watching Christian Kirsch tape, there were a couple great routes and everything, but an alarming amount of his plays, man, he was in the slot and Kingsbury was able to get him matched up basically on a deep crosser. 
end up facing off against a safety or linebacker. They never had a chance. Kyler threw a lot of great passes and they made a bunch of plays, obviously not huge numbers. There's a reason why a lot of people were balking at that contract, but it just got me thinking like what wide receivers benefited the most from not having to deal with like cornerbacks on a lot of their routes. And I went ahead, pulled the numbers from our handy dandy PFF ultimate only four wide receivers, minimum 50 targets had at least half of their targets come against non cornerbacks as the primary coverage defender, Jerry, Judy, at by far the most, Braxton Berrios, Rondale Moore, and Amon Ross St. Brown, a handful of other mostly slot guys that weren't able to get there. Judy, out of this whole group, not, I think it was 93 wide receivers, largest difference in yards per route run versus cornerbacks compared to any other primary defender. 1.76 against corners, 2.59 against everyone else. That's somewhat concerning to me, Dwayne, on, on the back of the idea that KJ Hamler coming back, I think he's going to be kind of taking more of those slot snaps than people are anticipating. So are we still on Judy over Sutton? At this point, I'm starting to lean towards Sutton over Judy, just based on the fact that we know they've invested in him long-term. We've seen him actually put together the high-profile season before injury, yes, but nevertheless, he's done it at the NFL level. And with Judy, man, like I understand the – Wide receiver, cornerback, ISO cans from his rookie season were fantastic. He got injured week one last year. The quarterback situation wasn't great, but the more we started looking at it, like how come DJ Moore and Robbie and Curtis Samuel were able to make do with Teddy Bridgewater? What are, as you finish your pick here, as I'm trying to stall a little bit for you, with Judy in mind, I guess we need a lot. We need some, I think we need more things to go right for Judy than Sutton, and because of that, I'd rather throw a dart at Sutton before him. Uh, yeah, I actually... I need to change my ranks, but I was, I was actually taking Sutton over Judy last night. I ended up going in a different direction um, in that draft, but it was, and it's mainly just because I know that Sutton plays outside and I think he's going to be on the field all the time in two wide receiver sets. So if the Broncos yeah. play 12 personnel, if they play 21, whatever they may do, I think Sutton's going to be out there. Whereas I think Judy is really going to be dependent on those slot routes. And I think, you know, there's a chance that, you know, KJ Hamler still some of those routes. Um, if he's not, and if they run a lot of 12 personnel or 21, anything like that, that could be problematic. I think 11 personnel will be their base. You know, uh, I think it will be their base set, but you know, looking at it, I just, I feel that Sutton's got a better chance to be on the field more. I don't necessarily think he's the better player than Judy. I think they're close, but if, if, if I got two players that are close, yeah, give me the one that I know is going to be on that. I believe anyway, right. Is going to be on the field more. I'm going to go ahead and take a little chance with Michael Thomas here under the thought that getting him at pick 67 middle of the sixth round right now, we've kind of had a little bit of negative news come out with him. Not exactly being, you know, the hundred percent we were hoping for dip. at this point, but yes, hoping to buy that dip because the second we hear like, Oh yeah, Michael Thomas is full go for OTAs, him going outside the top uh, 30 wide receivers, I think will be a distant memory. Well, do you think Dwayne that Jameis could kind of be unleashed enough to help both Michael Thomas and Chris Olave out? And just before uh, I throw it to you, I would know, I believe it was Dr. Edwin Porras. If it wasn't, I apologize. Um, they're pointing out the Jameis limp story that was taking over. Like he's still wearing that balky knee brace. And I think Edwin's point was like, everyone is going to limp when you're wearing that thing. So I don't think the uh, limp is actually a reason to be concerned about him not healing. It's actually just part of the process. Yeah. I, look, man, I don't know what I hate more officially official or like this time of year where everyone is overanalyzing every single little thing. Like it's just, it kind of makes you nutty. Uh, but no, dude, I'm not worried about that crap. Like I'm not worried about that right now. Like that's just the least of my concerns. Unless uh, it confirms we're, we're, our priors. <laughs> Unless it confirms your priors. Yeah. Um, it's uh yeah. 
just, I'm not worried about it. That's like when I hear Romeo Dobbs. I've been a lifelong Romeo Dobbs fan for months, everyone. The fact that he is outperforming Christian Watson right now, music to my ears. Quarterback run in the seventh, Burrow, Brady, Russ off the board, putting me on the clock. Oh, man. Adam Thielen, wouldn't mind having him on the squad. But honestly, Dwayne, more and more I get in these drafts, I really like this kind of post-dead zone running back range. I got Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Miles Sanders available, Cordero Patterson, and Kenneth Walker going a little bit later. I know underdogs only half points, so we're not getting the full PPR mindset. But, and, you know, some of these other running backs we were talking about in terms of Fournette and Connor, just the offseason really going their way, same thing, if not like doubly true for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, man. Again, they added Rojo. He's going to take some rush attempts but probably not any of the targets and to see daryl williams out of the picture low-key over a thousand total yards last year i agree not great to be like yeah we just need daryl williams to leave and then all of a sudden everything is going to work but ceh you know in round seven we could look back and be like wow like getting that 70 catch player in round seven was absolutely a steal but Dwayne, you were about to wait 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 He's have a narrative now, right? With the gallbladder thing, you yeah. know, imagine being 160 pounds, right? And you normally weigh 205, 215, whatever CEH is probably like 210 somewhere in there. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think there's a narrative there and look, we're not that impressed with any of the pass catchers. We don't love Juju. We don't love MVS. Um, sky more we like, but he is a rookie, yeah. you know? So, I mean, it's, 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 we know there's, there's a chance right? That that may not go well. So, I mean, I think there, this offense could just look a lot different, right? We've got Travis Kelsey getting older. So I just think it's something where, um, I'm going to make my pick real quick. Speaking yeah. Talk, Chiefs, talk us through. Ooh, I'm going to go ahead and take, I'm gonna go ahead and take sky more here. Um, you know, look the, the way this draft fell, I don't normally take the three backs early. Um, but I've got at this point for the folks listening in, um, I'm sitting with Deandre Swift, Saquon Barkley and David Montgomery. Um, my receivers are CD Lamb, Elijah Moore, and Sky Moore, and I have George Kittle at tight end. So, where, where did you get Kittle? Five? Uh, I got him in the fourth. Okay, nice. I got him in the fourth. So, yeah, Kyle Pitts was the pick I wanted at the end of the third, okay. uh, but it's fine. I ended up with Barkley, um, who I, who I want a little more exposure to. Oh, my pick again. So Lockett gone, Damian Harris gone. I'm going to go ahead. What round are we in? George Kittle, best tight end I'm, for my money's worth in the NFL in terms of real life. How does this guy not have a season of more than six touchdowns? I mean, for him to go for 1,377 yards, second year in the league, I mean, he's just kind of been banged up since, man. Like Kittle, one of these years, God forbid we get 17 games and Shannon decides to give him the Debo treatment. Like Kittle has the chance. He already did it once setting the all-time yardage record. Like he has a chance to just go nuclear in a season. And my God, man, seeing someone that talented falling that far, I, I see the potential holes going to Trey Lance, having Debo there, having Ayuk. But if you're going to gamble on someone overcoming that, Dwayne, it might as well be truly one of, if not the single best player at the position. Yeah, well, I just went ahead and compounded it, and I just went ahead and took Trey Lance to go with Kittle. There you go. How much? <laughs> so, uh, how, so how either you, you take you know, swing big, miss big. Oh, I nearly took Dak because I have CD Lamb, but I just Ooh. feel like Lance gives me more upside um, at this point. Um, and in these drafts, that's basically what you're going for. 
I am going to stay on brand, lock down my guy, Cordero Patterson. Unironically, it feels so nice to be able to draft CPAT now and like not just get laughs from people around or hear people dismissing my credentials as a professional fantasy analyst. Take Auden Tate and let's see how long that <laughs> I do have people. Obviously, my my, my uh, username is Free Duke Johnson, and every time I post a uh, an underdog screenshot, they're like, what the hell? You didn't take Duke Johnson, man. So my bad to all the Randy Duke Johnson supporters out there. Uh, I'll see what I can do at the end of this one but you know I, I did a couple of these drafts uh yesterday and i came away at least once with the clyde Edwards alaire cordero patterson pairing it's just one of those things where i once again think based on the things that have played out this offseason we're looking at two starting running backs that have really really high pass catching floors and people are just kind of ignoring them because clyde wasn't very good over the past two years as we talked about the gallbladder thing there might be some reasons for that and cordero patterson obviously being a bit of a one-year wonder but my god He's going to do it again. Might as well be in the same offense once again with a depleted depth chart. Made it through the first eight rounds, Dwayne. What are you thinking of your squad? And as we've, you know, usually you've been saying like round sevens, right? When you need to kind of start looking at your roster and make some decisions about what positions like you need to get to before the drop-off comes. Do you feel like your roster's in good shape or do you really need someone that I can hopefully snipe from you before to just <laughs> really set you off? Well, I mean, I've at least covered all the bases so far. I've got three receivers. I need more depth at receiver. Um, I can hold off on backs because I took three early. Um, I've got a quarterback and a tight end. And I basically put my chip uh, right now on Trey Lance. And I think, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, you, you, you just, you're just going to have to roll with it and see what comes out of that. Um, but overall, I feel fine. Like, I don't have any kind of real correlation or anything going right now as far as, like, any of the play. You know, I can do some of that later. But as far as, like, any of the players in the earlier rounds where the games, you know, come together uh, in the big money weeks, I don't have anything like that happening right now. So trying to keep – I'll use that as a tiebreaker um, potentially on some of these picks coming up. But overall, I mean, I feel fine. I definitely need more receiver depth. I'm going to go ahead here and try not to reach past ADP too much. Again, this is, and again, shout out Hayden Winks, Underdog's Own, who's done some good data showing this. Like, you're just not really helping your bottom line by reaching too far past ADP at any point um, in the draft. It's okay to go a few spots, but even though I have Marquez Bottas Scantling probably ranked behind guys like Tyler Boyd and even maybe Kenny Galladay down the way, there's a really good chance I can get them on the on the come around, and I'm not going to kind of leave that value on the table for MVS, who got that $30 million deal. And, you know, Dwayne, I'm just going to confirm my priors here and just point out all the raving reviews he's getting at Chiefs camp. But for real, he has done some nice things and you know resident chief slash vikings fan slash doctor at pff eric eager i like how i had to put the doctor uh, last there but um <laughs> with, with, with that going on you know he has done some uh, kind of deeper studies showing that mvs does bring a lot to the table so Obviously, the big red flag is that, you know, we didn't get anything going with Aaron freaking Rodgers, at quarterback. How big of a difference can Patrick Mahomes make? But, you know, at the same time, what Green Bay wide receiver has done anything other than Devontae Adams for pretty much the past half decade? So we'll see what happens there. But, Dwayne, you're on the clock. Talk well, I just did a little lowly uh, fantasy football study, and it said that MVS doesn't bring anything to the table. Not a <laughs> damn thing. <laughs> so. How long did it take you, Dwayne? Was it 39 hours or just five minutes? And that's, <laughs> Actually, that's the only reason yeah. I don't care. Yeah, it took multiple years of my life. I'm not going <laughs> to disclose how many. Oh, my gosh. Chase Claypool off the board, potential post-hype sleeper. The Claypool, I, seriously, if you ask someone why they're out on Claypool, does it literally come down to him celebrating a first down catch? That's the beef. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, I, I get it. Like, it's not like you're going to get super excited, uh, you know, about what could happen with the quarterbacks there. 
but again, we're, we're in round nine heading into round 10. You got, uh, you got Alan Lazard MVS going in front of him. Like I, I like Claypool over both of those players. And my next pick, actually, I just got sniped. Christian Watson was my next pick. Uh, that's okay though. Uh, let's come back over here. Let's see what we got. Uh, man, what pick are we at? You're panicking. No, I I just I gotta go ahead and get another quarterback. Do you just have any Vikings? No, I don't. That's that's this. I don't have any stacks. I have nothing. Your, your whole so, life's just falling apart, Dwayne. It's it is like I'm about to I'm about to just hang up. No, uh, <laughs> look like you want to make that stuff work, but it's like I'm just sitting here looking at the roster. I'm looking what's available, and just it wasn't there was nothing really making sense right now. So very true. I am. Oh man. I already have Higgins. Might go ahead and get Boyd and make the Bengals stack that I don't have. But man, Tyler Boyd, someone that last year I was, you know, a little bit too high on. Hand up, my mistake. But man, see him going wide receiver 54 now. I feel like even the Boyd quote unquote haters last year, it was tough to kind of rank him lower than 40th or so. If there was any wide receiver three in the league that could really start to produce some top 20, 24 production with even one injury. Tyler Boyd's in a great position, man. If either of Higgins or Chase miss any time, we know Boyd's involvement can go straight up, or maybe, just maybe, Zach Taylor decides to start trusting that high pass game volume he showed down the end of the stretch, and the Bengals could be one of those offenses to enable three fancy relevant wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, if any if any team could really step forward and do it, I think you definitely put them in the mix, right? We know the Bucks could do it. The Bills don't really have three, but like they could, like they're pass happy enough. They have a good enough quarterback. But I think the next potential evolution of the Bengals offense is that they just open everything up and just decide to go ahead and let Joe Burrow do his thing, upgraded the offensive line. So yeah, I, I really do like Tyler Boyd um, this year. I know a lot of people are out on him. Like, uh, look, his best case scenario is the wide receiver three on the team. Um, you know, sorry, his best case scenario is if, you know, you get the contingent value, right? One of the other guys go down and he steps up and he could really, you know, do something for you. But worst case, you know, where you're getting him, you know, he can still give you some spike weeks, you know, and if the Bengals offense just improves like we talk about, like he could outscore what he did last year on a per game basis just by the offense opening up. So I mentioned before, really liking CEH and CPAT, you know, down the stretch when you can get him around like even seven through 10. Miles Sanders is in that group and, you know, bottom of the tier, but still in that tier, I think it's Chase Edmonds. It's pretty cool, Dwayne, when you can get that first RB in, you know, rounds one through three and then peck away with a couple of these guys because now I'm sitting here. I only drafted one run. I drafted Eckler at pick six. My next running back was Clyde at pick 78. But with Eckler, Clyde, Cordero, and Chase Edmonds, I'm probably only going to take like one more running back the rest of the draft. So you're kind of able to take the same roster construction that you would loading up on running backs early, despite not quite having to do so. So as I'm back on the clock, I'm going to grab Russell Wilson's number one receiver, Tim Patrick. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, he also will be probably lining up outside. So there is a chance that he actually runs more routes than Jerry Judy. And uh, for where you're getting him here. Yeah, I, I like Patrick. Tim Patrick was better than Cortland Sutton last year. That happened. Now, Sutton coming back from the injury. But, hey, man, 
It's not like Tim Patrick had better QB played than Cortland Sutton out there. I need to look a little deeper into who exactly the defense was rolling towards. I'm sure that Sutton was the one getting a few more double teams here and there. I know you did some great uh, research on those sort of things earlier in the uh, offseason, Dwayne. But, yeah, just you know, looking at some of these more uncertain situations, when you see that big of a disparity between some guys, I certainly don't hate taking the value. Similar situation as Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, where I'm not saying you need to love Tyler Lockett, but to see that golf between the two guys, man. Makes you think. But, Dwayne, you're about to be on the clock after Jay Stincy. I don't even know how to say that name. After he goes, here you go. Two QBs, three RBs, four wide receivers, one tight end. What are you thinking? Well, I've got to take another receiver. Um, so, let's see. I'm going to take Myers if he leaves him. Yeah, that's what I was All thinking. Right. I'm going to go ahead and take Jacoby. Jacoby still has, you know, when, when you look at his underlying profile, um, you know, I mean, look, 23 and 24% targets per route run. <laughs> Um, and your first two seasons, like that's really good. Like, yeah. I mean, most guys that do that end up being, you know, having pretty good careers. So there's still a chance, right. That we could actually see more from Jacoby. Um, and when you look at the depth chart, like it definitely screams that. So now I'm going to go ahead and get my stack with Kirk cousins. I'll take Irv Smith. I just wasn't filling any of the receivers that are there at that point. Like in the receivers, like it's, I still need more. Um, this is the problem, right? When you get behind on receivers on underdog, like it is a freaking avalanche. Yep. And every time you look down to think, Oh, I'll catch up here. You look at the names. You're like, I don't want to take this guy here, <laughs> you know? And then you wait and guess what? Next time it comes back to me, I'm going to go, man, I should have taken that other guy. <laughs> Bro. Like right now I'm, I have Crowder queued up. I'm hoping to be able to get him, but Tim Patrick, Kenny Galladay, I like some Jalen Tolbert to an extent, but yeah, man, truly after that, it falls off in a hurry and you can be a little more comfortable waiting on the running backs. I mean, Michael Carter's still on the board, Naeem Hines, Daryl Henderson, Tyler Algier. The wide receivers are flying off the board so much quicker than these running backs that I really do think think it makes They sense. go so fast that it forces you. You can't, you can't just wait and decide that you're just going to do the opposite of everyone else. Because if you do, you want to do that to some extent. But if you push it too far, uh, like it'll really, I mean, it'll bury you. <laughs> like it puts you in a huge hole, um, you know, because people never, it, they don't ever stop over here on underdog. Like they don't stop. They're going to keep taking those receivers. Like guys that I was just looking at, like Jalen Tolbert, right? And gone, already gone yeah. off the board. I went ahead and took Jamison Crowder. If he gets that Cole Beasley workload, which I mean, it sure kind of looks like he was brought in to replace him. I understand Isaiah McKenzie is very good, but looking at the money he was given, I do think Crowder should probably be considered the favorite to start in three wide receiver sets. The question is whether or not it's going to be the Beasley role that yielded over 100 targets for three straight years, or kind of what we saw at the very end of last season when it was a combination of Beasley playing through the pain, plus Isaiah McKenzie having some good showings for himself and then go ahead and basically splitting those two down the stretch. So, again, it's round 12, uh, later round 12 pick. Would you have gone Crowder uh, over guys like Piggins and Tolbert, Dwayne? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Um, I think I think with Crowder, look, there's a chance he's the number two target in Buffalo. Um, yeah, it, it, it's really It's really not like Dawson Knox did a lot from a target per route run standpoint. I mean, we've talked about this a few times. Really, it was just more about the Bills threw the ball so much, he turned his 12 to 14% targets per route run, which is well below average, it just happened to turn into all the targets because of the Bills offense. So you could easily see Crowder come in there and there's room for him um, because we've got a lot of unknowns, you know, with the other guys. I mean, you know that Stefan Diggs is going to get his, but after that, like it's pretty open as, as to, 
you know, how things could play out um, behind Stefan Dix. I am looking at five picks away. Uh, Michael Carter went. It's wild how late Michael Carter's going, man, because like he's even going past the straight up handcuffs now, like the Alexander Madisons of the world. And I think, I mean, you were the first one I heard say this, and it was probably because we talk all the damn time. But Michael Carter, like he has some really nice handcuff upside if something happens to Brees Hall, and he's just kind of being treated like a straight up backup. And he also has a better chance of standalone value than a lot of those yeah, guys. As he well. has spike week potential due to that receiving ability. Like he was borderline just underneath, like the thresholds we see from the. Camaras, right, and all those type of guys. So I think there's definitely something to the Michael uh, Carter uh, receiving profile. I went ahead and took Jameis Winston to get my Winston Michael Thomas stack. Adam Troutman? No, no, no. <laughs> right? Maybe. Probably not. I'll leave that to you, Ian. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I would have to look at the depth chart a little more closely, but. <sighs> We were, we were hiring him for a reason, man. He had the profile, what, 14 touchdowns at Dayton. This will be his third year. He had some injuries, unfortunately, last year. We'll see. I don't want to fall into my Chris Herndon trap of just going time and time again back to the same late-round tight end. But, you know, maybe I'll throw a uh, last-round dart up there just from having Jameis Winston on the squad. You went ahead and took Robbie Anderson, Dwayne, who at this point in the draft, you need a wide receiver. Like, where he's going is probably about where he should, like, maybe be ranked, if not a little bit lower if he stays with the Panthers. But he's been floating around in these trade rumors. God forbid Robbie gets traded to Green Bay or one of these other offenses. He is shooting up the ranks. Yeah, I'm look, and it's just honestly, it's just the nature of my roster. Yeah, <laughs> I have to have receivers. I mean, we know that Robbie Anderson, you know, is basically like an every other year he's good. Um, so I know that he can be good. Um, it'd be nice if we got some sort of a trade um, for a quarterback. Um, that that would get me excited. All right. Damn, Mike Jasicki is still on the board as a tight end twelve. The next closest tight end is Noah Fant at tight end twenty one. People are starting to realize, Dwayne, that there's only so many skill position spots available on that Dolphins offense. And unfortunately, it kind of looks like the sick is going to be the odd man out. Yeah, I would say that we were well ahead of everyone on that. <laughs> we were talking about shout, shout we, out we, us. <laughs> we were talking about him being the odd man out like the, you know, free agency. I don't know, a month ago. Like when they signed, ago, like, like right more when than that. Yeah, when they yeah. signed Cedric Wilson. Yeah, when the, well, when they signed, well, the big thing obviously was Tyree, the trade. Yeah. The, the Tyreek Hill trade, you know, was a big part of it. Um, but yeah, okay. no, I, I don't like my draft. Like, I'll just be honest. Like, I can be, <laughs> I, I can be honest with myself. Like, I, I liked what happened with the running backs um, early. It, it, the value fell, so it was fine. I took them, but the receivers, man, are really shaky. CD Lamb has has to take the step forward that we think he can, and I'm fine with that. But then I got Elijah Moore. You got a shaky quarterback situation. Sky Moore's a rookie. Who knows if he'll get to play? I love the situation. Like Sky Moore, Chase Claypool. Like, look, it's a bet on talent, but Pittsburgh, you know, you got a lot of mouths to feed. You got quarterback issues. Jacoby Myers is just really more not getting excited about the Patriots, but we know the player can be good. Uh, Robbie Anderson, Wandell Robinson. You know, so it's like the receivers definitely going to need some help. I think I'm fine everywhere else. I've got two tight ends um, and Kittle and Irv Smith. I've got my two quarterbacks and Trey Lance and Kirk Cousins. So I feel fine. Like the overall construction, I just, I'm not crazy about the wide receivers. Um, and I like having more players from more good teams. Like when you look at this, I've got DeAndre Swift from the Lions, Saquon Barkley from the Giants, uh, David Montgomery from the Bears, Elijah Moore from the Jets. Um, Claypool, You're being contrarian, like this, Dwayne. 
Every lineup's could, a good lineup. You're just being contrarian. This could be the worst year, right, for the Steelers. Uh, you know, New England, like, you know, fine, whatever, eight and eight. Um, Carolina, gonna suck. Giants, again, gonna suck. So, like, there's just some things I don't like about the team uh, overall. Not not trying to, you know, rain on the parade, but it's my parade, Ian. Your, your, your parade's <laughs> fine. Your parade's looking really good. Um, but, hey, man, like, I... I just like to be honest, like whenever, uh, because I mean, that's what people are listening to this stuff for. Like, so when you really like these things can happen really quickly. Um, and the other thing is just getting, again, like just getting used to drafting these, uh, like, and just being able to do it while talking and everything. The, the damn 30 second clock, I'll be honest. I'm a freaking boomer. Like it still gets me. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like it's so fast. Like if I'm drafting these on my phone, like just hanging out, like drafting, like it's fine, but trying to commentate on it and pick it's, it's, uh, I'm, it's still a learning curve. Okay. I'm between Sammy Watkins and Gus Edwards and it's, I'm feeling like I'm in super bad. Like why is it between McLovin and Muhammad? But you know, go to your, Oh man. Ah! I'm going to go with Sammy Watkins. I think if we had to predict who was going to lead the green Bay Packers and targets, there's a decent case to be made for Sammy Watkins, Dwayne. It's gross and I get it. But yeah, and if that happens, it just means there won't be anybody with over 18% of the targets. But that could yeah. still be okay coming from Aaron Rodgers. I had Sammy Watkins in my queue when I took Wandell. Like I, I wanted to take one young guy and I wanted to take one older guy. And so I took Anderson and then I took Wandell Robinson. But it could easily have been Sammy, you know, and Wandell. I'm now at eight wide receivers working with T. Higgins, Terry McLaurin, Michael Thomas, MVS, Tim Patrick, Jamison Crowder, DJ Chark, and Sammy Watkins. I got Lamar Jackson, Jameis throwing the rock. Running backs, Austin Eckler, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Cordero Patterson, Chase Edmonds, and Mark Andrews at tight end. So if some of my running back bets fall through, this team is absolutely fooked. But, you know, I'm somewhat confident that they will not be falling through. I'm hoping to still get some of these later round guys that still have a little bit of value. Gus Edwards is in my queue right now. Should be splitting that backfield. I'd say 60-40 between Dobbins. I know we all wish it was 100-0 in favor of Dobbins. But based on the money they've given Edwards, based on every single sample we've seen with these guys, and really just the entire backfield for the better part of the last five years, like they're going to use a committee. Gus is going to be involved. Dobbins will be the lead. But to see Gus going so far outside, uh, you know, the freaking top 15 rounds, if you can get someone in round 16 that's touching the ball double-digit times every single game, you're doing something right. I think that also applies to Jamal Williams with the Lions. The one thing with Jamal, Dwayne, towards the end of last year, there was a period with DeAndre Swift hurt where Jamal Williams did not exactly take over the backfield the way we were expecting. There were still other running backs being involved. But Jamal was also coming back from injury and didn't exactly seem to be at 100% himself. Let's say Swift gets suspended or something for being too nice of a guy. I don't want to put any bad juju out there. You know, he's, you know, he just needs to go spend a couple weeks away from the NFL, like helping feed people in Africa or some shit. Great guy, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams. What would you expect his like actual snap rate to be in Detroit? Do you think they go full fledged, like three player committee, or do you think he would actually be a 60, 70% guy? Like we saw for a few stretches of time when Aaron Jones missed work with the Packers. Look, last year when that happened, Jamal Williams wasn't healthy. So I don't think right. we really – I know a lot of people will point to last year and go, oh, well, when he went, got hurt, that didn't work out. Well, it's because you know Williams was already you know showing up on the practice injury report every week and he was playing through some stuff. So I, I do think it would be 50 to 60% for Jamal Williams um, if you had um, DeAndre Swift go down. I think they would obviously have someone else involved. But I, I think there's a chance it could be 65 70% you know, of the work. They really do like him. He played pretty good last year, uh, really early in the season. You know, it was all about, 
you, you know, the trailing game scripts that really just ignited, you know, DeAndre Swift. And so if the Lions somehow become, you know, a little bit better team, like I think there's a chance that we that Jamal Williams, not like he's a player you want to be targeting. You're going to need DeAndre Swift to get hurt to ever feel like you could start Jamal Williams. But he had a bigger role last year is what I'm trying to say. The way game scripts played out, it just didn't end up working out to where we could actually see that it was really more of a true split between the two backs. I do think DeAndre Swift takes another step forward this year, but my, my primary point just being that Jamal Williams was a better player than what people think, and they had a bigger role in mind for him. So knowing that, if you did have Swift go down, I do think there's a 60, 65% of the work goes to Williams. At some point during the season, as we were going through your always amazing utilization report, you brought up how Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift were just basically James Conner and Chase Edmonds, but in a terrible offense. So, like, we weren't getting the same sort of goal line <laughs> opportunities for Jamal Williams, but that was basically the same sort of two-back split they were using, and they weren't afraid to throw the ball to Jamal Williams as well. Did I think both Swift and Williams finished, like, top five in the first week of the season. So, don't think that's going to exactly uh, be something that happens again this next year. But, yeah, Jamal Williams is a good football player and truly like he's the better rusher than DeAndre Swift. He, he just is. You're going to be really hard pressed to find a stat that doesn't show that. And that's not a slight against DeAndre Swift. It's just reality that Jamal Williams is pretty good too. That's why Aaron Jones never took over the full backfield. Not because Aaron Jones isn't awesome in his own right, but when you have someone like Jamal that I think does a great job of doing on the field, like what the coaches are imagining in their minds. I think he's going to always have a role uh, as long as he is in Detroit. So Moving on through the 17th round to James Robinson now going at 16-12. I remember earlier in the year when he was going far higher than that. I'm going to take the guy that Dwayne and I have talked far too much about already today. Evan Ingram in round 17. Maybe just maybe Trevor Lawrence's tight end one. I would just say this, Dwayne. If we knew with no doubt that Evan Ingram was going to be running around 80% or more of Trevor Lawrence's snaps, would you treat him as a top 20 tight end? If we knew, no doubt he was going to be out there for 80%. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's going to put him borderline. I mean, if you're 80%, like you're, you know, if you could get to 20% targets per route run, like you're going to be a lock. Like, you know, I, I figure he'll be more like 16 to 18%, but it would definitely put him in the conversation. Like he's going to be right there on the borderline of being a wide, of a being a tight end one. Music to my ears. Hopefully that works out. And again, for round 17, I'll find out. Wouldn't have minded getting someone like Gerald Everett earlier. Irv Smith, as I say, every podcast is my favorite late round tight end of 2022. But at this point in the draft, again, 17-6, I'm fine with that. Dwayne, you're about to make your final two selections. What are you thinking? Yeah, I was just, I was trying to look at any potential uh, game stacks. And my roster sucks so bad that there's not even any stacks. That, when I say my roster sucks so bad, like my players are all from crappy teams. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead. I need something to make up ground on this. Um, now I do have Kittle, but I'm just going to go ahead and take Taysom Hill just on the <laughs> chance that he has to end up playing quarterback this year for the Saints. Laugh, man. Like he's shooting up an ADP. Like, you think and he it play is over a, Dalton? It is a strategy. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, now I get to take, uh, I'm gonna, I need one more receiver. So this is definitely just camp news, but if it continues like this guy could move up, I'm getting him with the last pick, but it's your boy. Uh, Romeo in Green dogs, baby. He's a dog. Let's go. Heard it here. You know, maybe not first, but we're, we're I think you job. were first. 
dude, he's good, man. Like, I don't know. When you have someone similar sentiment with Tolbert, when like you're, I was reading about him in the PFF draft guide, it's like the guy does everything right. He's got a pretty good profile. It's just, you're kind of wondering about the competition level. Then they end up on a good offense. Uh, I'm willing to take that chance and at 18.2. Hey, why not? Like, I, what would you put your confidence level in that Watson like finishes with more targets than him? I, he should be favored, but the disparity probably is a little too wide. Yeah, I think there's a chance. Like, and and so far Watson is struggling a little bit. Again, it's early, but early on, it is it is Dobbs that is like. How do I even say his last name? Like, what's the correct? Yeah, word? I, I got to figure that out if I'm going to be a stand. Is it is it, is it, is it, is it, dude, is it Dobbs? <laughs> Whatever Romeo. Um, you know, is showing out now. This is before Aaron Rodgers is even at camp. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there is that. But to your point, like, I mean, Christian Watson is a guy that shot up draft boards. Um, you know, I know it's your pick, so go ahead and do your thing. But, Take him you know, Ingram. Watson, I don't like it. Watson is a well, you just had to go Ingram and Ingram, you know, to to finish. Oh, you, of got course, the, yeah. you got the weird <laughs> law firm, the E Ingram and the I Ingram. But you know, looking at um, you know, Romeo. And Watson being a late riser in the draft, right? Basically based on athletic profile, raw, raw stats, like coming from a small college. I, I agree. Like there's a chance like that Romeo ends up being the dude this year. It's not, it's not a great hit rate on, on wide receivers taking that late that they're going to do that much as a rookie. But as Lloyd Christmas once said, Ian, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> I need, Mar- something. Yeah. I need something at receiver. With Jesus. Mark Ingram, I would think that he's going to, not be going in round 18 if and when that Alvin Kamara suspension uh, ends up getting announced. Now, the latest report we saw on that was noting that there's a good chance the Saints add another veteran back to the pool. But even once they do that, who's to say that it won't be Marky Mark still leading the way? You know, Dre, whenever you can get just like one of the most elderly running backs in the league, I mean, why the hell not, right? So let me, uh, I opened up the draft board like a champion before it ended. So I will get that up. Yeah, I've, I've got quickly, that quickly go through our squads. Are you going to make us start uh, drafting together again after this solo performance by you? <laughs> no, 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 I'm just, uh, yeah, I just have to improve. Jesus All Christ. Right. <laughs> Here we go. You, you can go first one. No, none of the individual picks like bother me. Like it's yeah. the construction overall of the team. And, and when I say construction, I'm not even necessarily that bothered by like the way I handled um, like how many running backs versus receivers when I took them, but the way the board was falling, you know, and there are players individually that I like, but when I put them all together, I'm just not crazy about it for some of the reasons that I talked about before. But here's the roster in the end. End up with Trey Lance and Kirk Cousins as the two starting quarterbacks. Um, at running back, I've got DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley, David Montgomery. So Montgomery, you know, really more of a dead zone kind of guy, not hasn't done a lot really on his own. He's above average in a couple of areas, but he's the true definition of, you know, a back that, you know, hasn't really just, you know, shown us that, oh my God, he deserves all these touches. And can he maintain them? That's the question, right? And which is why you like Khalil Herbert. And I totally get that. But, you know, he's been involved in the passing game, all those sort of things. So anyway, I need him to be more than just a dead zone running back. He's on the younger side, right? So I'm not so worried about him just hitting an age cliff. Um, so, Feel good about the the three running backs that I started with, and then I was able to wait, and I finished that out with Tyrion Davis Price, just because we know that Kyle Shanahan. If there's anything we know about Kyle Shanahan, like he's never ever committed to any single running back. So Davis Price, you know, is the guy that they took uh, in the draft this season. So I'm fine, you know, having him. And I took Brian Robinson. So those are my five backs. Then my receivers are C.D. Lamb, Elijah Moore, 
Skymore. Remember, this is half point PPR. You have to start three. So as of right now, Skymore, Chase Claypool, and Jacoby Myers are kind of battling it out for like the wide receiver three spot. Elijah Moore needs to go ahead and just absolutely beast out. Like he's going to have to for this team to to really have a chance. Because then after that, I added Robbie Anderson, Wandale Robinson. And that was just a numbers game because of the way the thing started receiver. And like we mentioned earlier, if you wait on receiver, and because look, Montgomery was what fell to me. Brandon Cooks went, Brandon Cooks and Juju Smith Schuster went off the board. Rashad Bateman, Cooks, Juju Smith Schuster all went off the board right in front of me. I went with David Montgomery. Like looking back, Ian, I wish I would have went ahead and went Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Elijah Moore right there. Just let David Montgomery go. It's fine. I still could have had a shot, you know, at uh, Miles Sanders. He actually ended up going in front of me. Um, you took Clyde Edwards Alaire, but still, like there were enough backs left on the board um, that I could have, that I could have, you know, still been able to make something out of it. So that's the big thing. And then I do have the two tight ends and George Kittle and Irv Smith, and they are both stacked. <laughs> George Kittle with Trey Lance, just a weird way to do it. But Trey, my my tight ends are both stacked with my quarterbacks. Trey Lance with Kittle and Irv Smith with Kirk Cousins. It seemed like he just got a little unlucky with a few of these picks too. KJ Osborne going just two picks before Robbie Anderson could have been a nice yeah. stacking partner. I had him with Kirk yeah. Cousins. Yeah. Have Irv Smith there though. So at least you managed to get that. And yeah, as we talked about in our Washington preview, Brian Robinson over JD McKissick because Gibson goes down like McKissick's role probably isn't going to change. Meanwhile, Robinson would now be looking at, hey, not not great. Like we're not high on Antonio Gibson, but at the same time, if it's all of a sudden going from three backs to two backs, now we can get back into that lower end RB2 territory potentially for Brian Robinson. And I, I should have, yeah. uh, you know, I really should have gone Haskins there. I, I think I just, because I actually have Haskins, uh, I believe at this point I've moved Haskins above, um, Robinson in my actual mm. ranks and I haven't just up completely updated my cheat sheet here with like what I did today but yeah see like I've got Haskins sitting um at 58 overall in my ranks um which is pretty far ahead like of ADP by like 12 spots and then I've got Robinson at 60 so Haskins actually should have been my pick there's my email as I send a podcast, everyone. Okay, let's go through my team real quick. Picking out the sixth spot, started off with Austin Eckler. Did not take another running back until Clyde edwards Lair in round seven. Scooped up him, Cordero Patterson, and then Chase Edmonds in round 10. So really used that round seven through 10 stretch to scoop up my running backs. And you look at the other guys going around that range. Miles Sanders, who I'm also a fan of, but there's just kind of a weird mix of these starters that people don't love. And then guys like Tony Paul, or Kenneth Walker, or Damon. I guess Damon Harris is another starter that people don't love, but I'm not doing it, Dwayne. Like if <laughs> you know how we joke, I, I always talk about how it makes me mad when we, you talk about McCaffrey on Twitter and people are like, I'm never taking him no matter what. Like Damon Harris really would push those buttons for me. Like if he's there in round 12, I'm still gonna be looking awfully hard at like someone like Jalen Tolbert before probably just hating myself and pulling the trigger. Anyway, got those running backs and only added Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram towards the end of the draft. So I really do think if you want to take advantage of those wide receivers going early, there are enough running backs going in that round seven through 10 range to really make it worth your while. Accordingly, I was able to scoop up Mark Andrews, T Higgins, Terry McLaurin, Lamar Jackson, and Michael Thomas between rounds two and six. We'll see what happens with Michael Thomas. Maybe Carson Wentz tanks Terry McLaurin and I'll hate myself and this team, but I'm feeling pretty good about those top three guys. After that, I wasn't, I got sniped on a couple of these wide receivers I was hoping to get, but I think collectively, hopefully we can get one or two of them to hit MVS, Tim Patrick, Jamison Crowder, DJ Chark, and Sammy Watkins. So I liked my 
build strategy, Dwayne, but I think I would like to maybe run this draft back and have a little more luck, you know, with like Jacoby Myers potentially falling to me. Uh, a couple of situations like that. Kenny Galladay was someone that I was interested in. You know, going in round 10 is a little bit different than round four or five. Everyone, don't hate the player, hate the ADP. Uh, but yeah, overall feeling pretty good about the squad. And this is what, Dwayne, our I, I was I was on a road trip this weekend, so I was just pounding these things out. But personally, you and I together, I think it's only our second or third uh, post draft one. So it's two yeah, man. This is like but- my this is this is like my third one. But um, you know, the other thing I didn't do, uh, I I just didn't correlate any of the games later. Um, and basically, I just used those as tiebreakers. Um, but the way my draft started, um, I just didn't leave a lot that I was super excited about. You know, whenever whenever you've got you know, the jets and you've got the Steelers and you've got, um, you know, the lions, um, like you can still stack those games, but it, it just wasn't as intriguing to me. And like you said, maybe it's a contrarian thing where just all of a sudden you get lucky, you get there. Nobody has the freaking, who are the lions playing like in that last week, uh, Chicago, like nobody has, nobody has the, the Velas Jones, uh, Deandre Swift stack. <laughs> <laughs> that wins a million, you know, uh, we're in the oh puppy. We're not God. in the best ball mania, but yeah. 75K. Yeah, 75K. So I'll take it, man. You know, it's not a million dollars, still pretty good. I'll take 75K. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if you guys want, check out the uh, the Houston Texans team preview podcast. We do get through all the Houston Texans, but in the middle, we just kind of started talking about strength of schedule and, you know, <laughs> looking at the week 17 stuff and best ball for a good 10 minutes in there. And, you know, again, I'm not against, uh, and I'm not against scheduling. I'm, my big beef with it was just kind of how the NFL chose to roll it out. But I fully understand that strength of schedule in your opponent matters, but you can't let it be the be all end all. So if you want to, if it works out and you're able to kind of start target targeting some week 17 matchups in terms of getting those shootouts, you know, having the, having the uh, Bengals bills game or the Broncos chiefs game. That's one thing, but you know, how deep are we going to go with this? Because exactly what Dwayne was saying, like it's a little bit of a joke, but it is going to be a 400 person contest and DFS strategy. When you're in playing like under a thousand, you can definitely go more cash game oriented versus like a hundred thousand people in a GPP. So you don't need to get that contrarian for week 17, a little tongue and cheek tongue-in-cheek drake and joshing around from us there but i do think there is a kind of limit to trying to set your lineup up doesn't really make sense to be reaching super far in adp at any point especially not for a week 17 matchup that you got to get there in the first place yeah yeah we're on the same page and i think it's definitely way less about strength of schedule versus just stacking the potential big games um with with the big quarterbacks with the weapons before we get out of here, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, FanDraft. If you're holding an in-person fantasy football draft party this year, you need to check out FanDraft.com. They're a modern, g- digitalized version of those old sticker boards that we used to use. However, unlike those, FanDraft makes your fantasy draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as custom logos, draft clock, team walk-up songs, a streaming news ticker, and much more. FanDraft works by running your league's draft from the FanDraft.com website and then exporting your display onto a large screen TV for the league to enjoy. It can also be used fully online any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely. That always seems to be the problem when you have these big sticker board drafts. Like if you can't get your whole team there, you got to have someone, you know, that you're calling back and forth and letting them know what all the picks are. This still lets you have the cool draft board while also accounting for some of your league members, maybe not being able to take it. And then you can jump in the pool and not have to freaking worry about going back and forth, you know, with whatever friend decided to stay back in Ohio. So 
Sign up for a free trial account, fandraft.com. And when you're ready to order the pro account, make sure you use promo code PFF to save 15% off your purchase. Again, that's fandraft.com with code PFF. We've been potting for like, you know, last two or three hours. Great, uh, great Wednesday. I'm about to go hit the gym, sweat, and then probably drink a lot. What are you going to do the rest of the day? Man, I already got, I already got a good run in earlier. It's like nice. 90. It was already like 92. It was, it was this morning and it got hot like really early. I was sweating my ass off. I bring the dogs home from a walk now when it's like this hot and they just like get inside and just like roll over. No, my dogs. So the way I go, the way I go, so I leave my house and uh, so I live out in the country. So, and it's awesome for running, like, cause you can just, nice. there's just nature everywhere. Like, you know, so I don't, a lot of times I don't even throw the earbuds in, like, or I'll just have one in and the rest yeah. I'm just listening. Like, I'm touching grass with my ear. I'm listening to grass. <laughs> and, but like, so when I go with my dogs when it's hot, I know that I just take this one little loop around this one block before I go out this country road. Cause by the time I get up here, they start pulling me back over to the house because they're done. They just want to come inside. So I just drop, I take them in, I'll put the, I'll fill up their water. <laughs> bowl i just leave them and then i take off on like the real run but they feel like they've accomplished something they feel like they went with me on the run but really they didn't they just went on the warm-up always gotta make the do- make sure the dogs are You're, i'm dragging them by the time good. i get to the top of the hill if i make them do the whole thing like one time my dog nora laid down like just carry me that's what lily does sometimes like i'm trying to take you for a walk here dog i wouldn't be probably wouldn't be doing this on my own like meet me meet me halfway here Dwayne. What work do you have on pff.com this week for the lovely subscribers to check out? Yeah, so um, updated running back rankings and tiers. I got a lot of really good feedback on the new visuals that I added for the wide receivers and the tight ends. So I went back and I put that all in for uh, the running backs. And so that will post tomorrow. And then, man, I'm trying to decide. Like, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you vote here, Ian. Like, <laughs> so I did an FFPC, you know, uh, draft last night called the Hard Way. And I think you've actually done it in the past, like a couple of years ago, but with a bunch of guys that play, you know, all the time, most of these guys have all won a really big prize over at FFPC. Like I've finished in the top five, three different times over there, but these guys have all won the, you know, I don't know if all of them have won, you know, number one overall, but like Abib has won first place twice. So like 750 grand. Um, Austin Martin has won a $500,000 uh, first place prize. Um, some of the other guys have won, you know, have been really close and I may be missing someone. Sorry, whoever listens and I missed you and your big prize, but a lot of really good drafters. So I thought about, I could just write that up, right? Cause it's a, it's a full Do point it. PPR. Uh, it's a 20 round draft and it's redraft, right? So far we've been doing all best ball. So redraft just has a different ring to it. So I'm either going to write that up or I'm going to do my top 150. So, so which one do you think? I mean, push the 150 back. It'll be there next week and let's, uh, let's cover this baby. Yeah. So that's what I'll probably do. Um, because it was, uh, it was fun. It was a blast. Like I love best ball. Um, and I need to do, I want, I'm aiming to do more best ball because I love, I don't have to manage it throughout the league, but like redraft is still like, that's just, man, like that's what I came up on. You know, I mean, that that's what got me into fantasy football. So it'll always have like this natural place. I love dynasty. I play in dynasty leagues. I love best ball. I love all of it. I love fantasy football. I love football period. Anything that has to do with football. Let's go. If it's an, if it's offspring of football, like I probably like it. Um, but man, redraft is just like, there's that nostalgia is a powerful drug. Ian. like, that's just <laughs> what got me into fantasy back in the day. There wasn't any best ball. Like it was all, it was all set up as redraft. So as yeah, I'm excited. Going. As always on Twitter at Dwayne McFarland. Yeah, Dwayne, we'll get some of those. We, we were in one FSP, FFPC uh, redraft last year. I've been, I have a feeling we we'll had get the that. worst luck ever. We we uh, had basically, I think we had like all Alabama players. Yeah, um, we had Calvin Ridley, who got 
uh, knocked out. We had Irv Smith who got knocked out. We had um, Kamara who was, you know, eh. well, he was, he was, he was supposed he, to have the great end of the season stretch, but yeah, he, yeah, he was yeah. not a problem. Yeah. He, he's not from Alabama, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Well, I'm no, he was though. He transferred. Well, okay. So, well, I see, I don't count that. Come on. <laughs> but I do love Alvin Kamara. So it makes sense that he went to, to Alabama, but who else, man, I can't even remember. We like 50% of our roster was uh crimson tide and uh 50% of that 50% got hurt. Ohio state faithful. We have to count like the transfers as one of ours, because otherwise we'd have to admit that we let Joe Burrow walk out the door to LSU. So Joe Burrow, always a Buckeye. Ask him. He'll say the same thing on PFF.com. I have my fantasy football team preview series continue to roll out. I write a bunch of words and then Dwayne and I spend a good hour talking about those teams. So check it out where you're listening to this pod, Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Those always roll through. And if you miss them, you can go check out the words on PFF.com. Also, I'm continuing to grind USFL. We got week eight coming up hot and fresh Canton playoffs starting soon after this 10 week season gets through. I continue to love it. And you know, if you want to be a hater, just ignore it. It's the weirdest thing I see out there, Dwayne. Like people just feel obligated to tweet about like they're not being fans for these USFL highlights. Like I'm not. Do they I, come I, at you about? Do they like say stuff to you about it? Oh yeah, I'll tweet like a one-handed catch, and they're like, "Y'all, a lot of people at that game." It's like you know, I don't. I'm not watching like a dunk. Like I, I think I've watched probably like five minutes of the NBA playoffs. Like I'm not. I'm not actively trying to go like talk shit about people that are enjoying the NBA playoffs. Like if you don't like it, it's pretty freaking simple. Everybody, you don't need to interact with it, but if you do like it, I'm your guy, two podcasts, two articles per week about that USFL. Very happy with the uh, very much positive. We're up. Uh, I want to say I was four or five games above 500 on the, uh, on the, against the spread picks as of last week, I think we went three and one. So we're doing good out there. Still got some DFS to play and it's live football. So maybe instead of sending that tweet, making fun of Najee Harris's weight, I don't know. You can watch a live football game. That's on your TV Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I love the USFL. And if you don't, that's fine. Just shut up about it. So thank you guys for tuning in for Dwayne. I'm Ian. This has been the PFF fantasy football podcast until next time. Take care, everybody.